save our wildlife, save the environment, save our world. It all starts with a little knowledge. Welcome to Our Wild World with L.A. Weiss. There is so much that's being done and can be done with help from specialists and marginalized community groups to you. We'll discuss the future of Africa, the wildlife, and the people, and show you how it affects the entire planet. Now, here is Ellie Weiss from the Wild Eyes Foundation. Good morning, I'm Ellie Weiss, and you're listening to Our Wild World. Over the course of many episodes on this program, we have covered a wide variety of charismatic wildlife and the plight they face at our hands, from industrialized breeding to human conflicts to killing for enjoyment and killing contests. Today, with my guest, Bill Rulon Miller, a naturalist educator, we're going to discuss one of our, to some, perhaps less charismatic species, the rattlesnake. Many folks are going to say, oh, I hate snakes, and often when they see one of any kind, they immediately attempt and often succeed in killing it. So today we're going to learn why snakes, particularly rattlesnakes, has an important role to play in our ecosystems, what we're doing with them, and learn about the horridly and unsavory, quote, practice of rattlesnake roundups. So without further ado, welcome, Bill. Hello. Nice to have you here. We've been uh, working on this program for quite some time, so I'm glad we finally get to talk about this, because I, for one, know very little about rattlesnakes. I live in rattlesnake country. I respect snakes. I don't go out of my way to kill them. And um, in following you and your posts of Rattlesnake Roundup on Facebook, I've learned an awful lot. So why don't we start by you giving us a, a little bit of background about yourself and how you came to become one of the rattlesnake's best advocates. Oh, well, I'm, I'm glad you think I'm uh, one of them. I, I certainly try. Uh, there are a lot of people that I think are very good advocates for rattlesnakes. I am a, uh, I guess you could say, a naturalist and a natural historian. Uh, I My credentials are actually in history, which is actually somewhat funny because it's that actually comes very much in handy uh, on this subject because there's a lot of history uh, involved in this, but I am also a, I'm somebody that's been interested in, uh, you know, wildlife and, uh, natural history and, uh, biology and herpetology, especially for pretty much as long as I've been alive. Um, at least since I was very young, uh, I, I volunteer at the Academy of Natural Sciences. I volunteered at other, uh, institutions various uh, nature institutions and uh, some historical societies. I, I have also, you know, helped with uh, actual herpetology. I haven't really written any papers so much as I help, uh, I help herpetologists work with snakes. I help them with their uh, field herping. I've also learned a lot from many uh, herpetologists. And so, um, I, I you're, so you're 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 real big on citizen science and do a lot of efforts toward um, providing data and uh, field work toward that. Yeah, I do. I do plenty of that. I uh, I help with. I'm currently helping with PARS, among a few other projects. But that's one of the ones I've been helping with, and that's that's always a uh, that's always fun to do. I always love doing that. And you're also one of several people in charge of the organization Rise Against Rattlesnake Roundups, which ad- advocates for the end and or reform of these roundups. So, and on the you know local level, on the state level, and um, I guess legislative level. So why don't we try and understand, why don't you help us understand what is a rattlesnake roundup? Well, that's one of those questions that has more than one answer. There are... There are multiple rattlesnake roundups among multiple states, and they do different things. When most people have never heard of a rattlesnake roundup, when they those that have heard of them, when they think of them, they tend to think of what they do is they gather all the snakes and kill them, kind of like that Simpsons episode of Whacking Day. 
Um, and that is what a lot of them do. It's very complicated, however. And it originated, though, very much as a method to just, you know, kill snakes. People would find snakes. They'd bring them into town. Usually, sometimes they'd find them at the edge of town. According to a lot of the history behind it, the, there used to be rattlesnakes in various areas where humans would be. And it's because, you know, they were there first. Humans settled into their territory uh, before Europeans arrived. You would have various tribes have different, having different outlooks on rattlesnakes. And then when Europeans arrived, they all pretty much, you know, felt that rattlesnakes as well as other wildlife would have to be removed from human settlement. Yeah, anything so, that was dangerous to us or we didn't like, we went about extirpating it. Yeah, that was that. That's a very common thing. And again, and you know, all human societies have done that to some extent. But once uh, Europeans arrived in the Americas, that really kicked into high gear, so to say. So what they uh, did was they would have these contests, usually to kill as many snakes as they could. And they'd offer prizes out for people who did that, and they would they would lionize that. They would advocate it, and eventually, in many cases, you know, rattlesnakes disappeared from areas where they used to be. I mean, we have there are areas in Pennsylvania where I live right now where there definitely used to be rattlesnakes where there are no rattlesnakes now, and that, that this was before a conventional roundup really existed. A lot of the times it was just bounties. It was just people, you know, clearing out animals that they viewed were vermin or pests, similar to how people would, will exterminate bugs. Uh, in, or you coyotes know, or mountain lions or wolves. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's absolutely what happened as well. I mean, I could go on a whole side tangent about that. So I'll spare you that, <laughs> but, um, but that is what, that is what happened and so let's 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 wait one second because we haven't really so we're used we're talking roundup yeah so that that implies i mean wait a minute that that implies gathering so how do people you said you know they'd find a snake and bring it into town but we're talking about something else on a massive level of intentionally going out and disrupting rattlesnakes and they do this in a horrid way tell us how they actually go about rounding up snakes well what the what what people started to do once these rattlesnakes were no longer really as plentiful as they started gathering them they started going out to hunt them and gather them because a number of towns a number of states made a tradition out of it it was you know to originally just to remove them but then it was to actually have a festival built around it the festival of the idea of eliminating these snakes but they turned it into fun yeah so what they would do is they would gather the they would go out to dens and they would gather these snakes uh when they started becoming less common and they would bring them in and they would kill most of them. Sometimes, I guess, they would sell others live. But most of the time, they would kill them and use their skins and eat their meat and things like that. And it's a very, it's kind of a, a long story, almost more than we really have for the show, of how it went from this removal program to what it is now an industrialized and pretty much industrialized way of gathering and hunting well let's go let's go into that a little bit i i think we have the time yeah because this is this is what this is about you know it went from something that was kind of an odd kind of thing to do every now and then to scale it up to where one town in texas seems to be famous for this sweetwater to you know thousands of snakes and and the the horrid way of finding them out of their dens. I think you call it gassing. Yeah. Well, the gassing thing that started uh, that must have started probably early 1900s, maybe late 1800s, before the actual roundups uh, began. And what happened was 
the roundups started to happen. These were when they became formalized roundups, because before they were just extermination campaigns and some festivities. There were also proto-roundups that came and went by the wayside, but clearly somebody had the idea of making this a money-making enterprise. So what they would do was they would they would gather as many as they could and they would hold a festival and they would get out, you know, tour, they'd get out the word, they'd get tourists to come by, they'd make it an attraction. And yeah, the gassing, that that specifically happens mostly in Texas because it's been outlawed uh, in other places. It used to happen everywhere. I mean, it used to, people used to dump fuel and other uh, repellents into dens to drive them out. And this happened everywhere. This happened, you know, not just in Texas. It happened in Oklahoma, Alabama. It ha- it happened in Pennsylvania. And things have changed since then. But the it still happens in Texas. They still use fuel to flush out rattlesnakes. Uh, apparently, it's diesel specifically. A lot of the ones they use, they spray that. The uh, they spray the dens, and when rattlesnakes come out, they get them. And they will actually take these snakes to a compound, hold them for a while, uh, and then they will hold the roundup. Now, as as you probably you might notice, or anyone might notice if they look at it, a lot of these roundups happen uh, early in the year. They happen between. I mean, the first one happens around January or February. Uh, and, and Sweetwater that, holds uh, theirs in March. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of that is, I mean, well, March they're they're going to be more active then. But some of them, I mean, even in the South, it'll be early on when rattlesnakes will be less active. So oh, they'll, they'll, okay. They'll, they'll usually uh, hold them either prior to the season. They'll actually take them, hold them in crates hold them in compounds prior to the season and then bring them out for the festival or some of them will go last minute. And that's in Texas. That's when the gassing usually is done. And again, gassing was practiced a lot more. And I do have some suspicions that it is practiced still in other States where it is outlawed, but you know, that's not going to be really enforced because a number of roundups do actually still break laws, including in Oklahoma, and that's another thing to remember is that a lot of people only think of Sweetwater and Sweetwater is probably the one of the biggest ones. It's probably, you know, it ranks among the top three biggest, but there's also uh, several in Oklahoma. There's Mangum and Apache in Oklahoma, which are both very, very large and they're close to Sweetwater's size and scale, if not. So when you when you more. say large, what are we talking? I like a little town fair market are we talking Um, a huge huge like how many visitors are we talking about oh we're talking thousands of visitors thousands and thousands of visitors tens of thousands of visitors and how many snakes i'm looking at a picture of a guy walking through what i guess you'd call a compound at a festival sweetwater and uh i'm gonna say it's probably at least 10 by 10 i don't see the whole picture but the ground is absolutely covered with an uncountable number of yeah. snakes. It's also thousands of snakes as well. I mean, they, they, <clears throat> excuse me, they measure the amount of snakes by the weight. They don't really give a count in a lot of them. They measure by weight. And some of them, like the uh, Eastern Roundups, which are a lot smaller in scale, those they measure by the individual snakes, but a lot of times they'll measure by the weight. They'll measure by uh, almost by the ton in some of the cases, in the cases of the large ones I mentioned. Wow. Uh, including Sweetwater, they'll definitely measure by the ton. So uh, that's the incentive wh- for yeah. any individual to go out and gas as many as possible. And then what? I, I presume there's prizes for the person who gets the most tonnage? It's... It's usually not so much the most as it's the usually the largest. Okay. Uh, sometimes you'll get the most. I, uh, and it varies, again, per festival, per roundup. Uh, usually it'll be the, the largest snake. 
sometimes the most rattles. Sometimes it'll be sheer numbers. But yeah, there is absolutely incentive. I mean, you hit the nail on the head on that one. There's economic incentive uh, for participants to get as many as possible and to get the biggest, most impressive snake as, as possible. So bragging, that, right, bragging rights as well. Yeah, absolutely. And they, 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 they very much hold that in high regard for wow. how many they can get and how many, you know, how many can be turned in and the size of them. And the idea of that is just that they, they can, they, they can, they, they may, they provide this incentive and it's, it's really to find, to find really the most, the most impressive snake, but also just, just to find just to eradicate uh, where, them, where they where they are, also because it used to be they used to be all over, like I mentioned, and they're just not there as much anymore. There's still plenty in some areas, and if you talk to a lot of the roundupers, they will tell you that there's still plenty. But they often drive pretty far out of their way, and that is part of that incentive is wow. to go out of their way to find snakes, not so, to so when remove they, them from a town. When they gas a den, yeah. A den, I'm presuming, has the young in it. What happens it, to the young if they're going after the most impressive, biggest snake and tonnage? Um, well, there's there's two part question. Um, a the ecosystem, the ground where this diesel fuel has been poured, the effect of it on the snake, and then the young to uh, recoup the population that they're taking. Well, the idea is that they, in theory, don't take as much of the young. Now, snake rattlesnake dens actually have all age groups. They often will they'll have young and they'll have females that are breeding there year round, and they'll stay around that area mostly year round. Males will come, go to and from dens to breed with females, and they often all, many of them will then go back to a different den. So a, de- a den could have any number of uh, rattlesnakes or age groups of rattlesnakes in it. And so a these lot are, of the time they'll hibernate uh, or they'll brumate, you know, they'll basically stay there during colder months. Uh, and sometimes, you know, they won't really, you know, in, in certain parts of uh, the, the South, they won't really stay there that long, but they, they will stay there and they will they do make the they have these communal they're very communal animals it's very interesting wow this is fascinating um i'm learning so much but we have to step away for a break right now so folks stick with us because we're going to learn a lot more about what this practice is and why rattlesnakes are so important so we'll be right back The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. Voice America presents a new kind of health awareness talk show, the Sharon Kleina Hour, health, environment, and the power of water. Show host Sharon Kleiner interviews leading scientists to discover how each of us can become proactive in protecting our personal health environment in an increasingly unhealthy world. Every show offers new information that could save your life. The Sharon Kleiner Hour is health from an environmental perspective, your ultimate source for a personal environmental lifestyle. Listen Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel and Wednesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Wildlife. No wild, no life. Big, scary, beautiful. Predators are in danger. Without them, our rivers dry up. Our forests don't grow. Our communities go hungry. Our biodiversity crumbles. Wildlife drives our planet's ecosystems. The wild effect. It's in our hands. Ellie founded Wild Eyes Foundation because she loves Africa 
and to remind us that there are more harmonious and less destructive ways to live on our planet. She does this so we may be able to look inside ourselves and understand the deeper partnerships that connect us all and to take responsibility for our lives and our Earth. Africa is one of our last remaining wild places and the origins of humanity. It is irreplaceable. Africa is at a crossroads, on the brink of possibilities. We can choose to let its wildlife be lost forever, or we can help save it. In Africa, it is still possible to make a difference. Visit us at www.wildeyes.org to learn how you can make a difference. We only have one Earth. If we don't care, who will? W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You're listening to Ellie Weiss and Our Wild World. We want to hear from you. Call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. If you'd rather send us an email, please send it to wildeyes at wildeyes.org. That's W-I-L-D-I-Z-E at W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Now, back to our wild world. Welcome back. I'm Ellie Weiss. You're listening to Our Wild World and my guest, Bill Rulon Miller. And we're talking about rattlesnake roundups, which you can tell already by the first section of our a conversation today that this is very similar to coyote killing contests or when wolfers go out and round up as many wolves as they can. We're talking about killing for fun for economic incentive and for festival and celebration and uh, we're going to get into the um, uh, conflicts that it creates and also the effects on our ecosystem. So Bill, we ended up with some information on the last section about rattlesnake dens and rattlesnake behavior. So You'd said the males will move from den to den. The females stay within a den. There'll be all age groups within a den. So mm-hmm. my question is, do the round-uppers know where these dens are and it, to be able to go and visit them on a yearly basis to round them up? Oh, yeah. They know where they are. Uh, and usually they'll they'll go visit them. They'll They'll gather them with or without you know, chemical assistance. And they usually, I will say this, they do often seem to try to leave these smaller ones alone. The problem is, is that when you remove larger animals like that, you can still cause some mayhem. And they, there is likely, there's a very strong likelihood that dens used to get wiped out all the time and interestingly enough they started realizing this and they started realizing hey if we run out of snakes we won't be able to do this anymore so they they started leaving certain ones uh another another thing that was is interesting is that they seem to have a lot of these dens on private property and there is even some possibility that they have select dens certain select dens that they go to and hit up for these for snakes for the roundups so can they can they can they breed snakes in these dens do they do something to increase their numbers that that's a good question and in all honesty we're not entirely sure okay because again they used to wipe out dens and there is some there is evidence of this. So then these there, dens are kind of highly prized on this private property. Yeah, absolutely. And people will go there 
Uh, they'll go there specifically to hunt rattlesnakes. For Are this. they charged fees to do this? Uh, I don't know what the what they have arranged with that. I think a lot of the times there's an agreement, and it's somebody who owns the property that the den is on, who's in cahoots with the Roundup, and they encourage people, specific hunters though, not just anyone, but specific hunters that they're friends with to take the rattlesnakes and take them to uh, the roundups. So it it wouldn't be an easy thing for, let's say, an infiltrator, uh, a a park service or forest service or wildlife officer to infiltrate one of these rather closed, highly connected groups to take it down. No, absolutely not. And also, a lot of the wildlife officers they they they'll often turn the their head the other way especially because uh again in texas gassing is legal and a lot of the the amount of the amount of snakes that are harvested that's that's not regulated at all so they won't view that as their concern though they will ironically enough give somebody who is uh road cruising or you know well you know looking for rattlesnakes for you know to take pictures of which is what field herpers do they'll often give them a hard time in various states but they'll often look the other way to somebody actually taking these snakes unregulated for roundups and another interesting thing is that some of these dens i was talking about how some of them were clearly wiped out some of the evidence for that is that they will go out of their way. Uh, people from Texas will go to Oklahoma. People from Oklahoma will go to Texas. Both will go to Arizona, which is not really allowed, but there is some evidence that they're doing this. And both of them will go to Mexico. They'll, they'll go to Mexico to do this. So is this and regulated take- at all by U.S. Fish and Wildlife or uh, you know, crossing state lines? Fish and wildlife, no, they don't regulate that. Now, if states regulate that, like in Arizona, if you were to do that, you would get in trouble if you're getting caught. Uh, And if you were to do that in, let's say, and again, this will go into what we were talking about, the difference between east and west and north and south. If you were to, let's say, take something from, let's say, Florida and take it to Texas, you could get in trouble. And if you were to, let's say, take something from Pennsylvania, like let's say you were to take a timber rattlesnake from Pennsylvania and you did not have the licensing and you crossed state lines with that, you would get in a lot of trouble. So it is and, licensed? Uh, it is in certain states. Okay. It is in, in Texas and Oklahoma. There's like a non-game permit. And you can take what you want if you are native to that state. Pennsylvania has, you're allowed one rattlesnake a year, and it has to be a male over 40 inches. And it has to only be from certain parts of the state, too. Can the average roundupper, or I'm sure a herpetologist can, but for the average uneducated person how do you tell the difference between the male and the female i wouldn't know at first look uh males are bigger and really that's the gist of it a lot of the really big ones are going to be males now that's not always true you get some big very big females so you it's very hard to tell the difference you can if you were to let's say actually capture one you could maybe probe it you could you could examine the, uh, the the tail and the vent area, and males have a certain number of scales and females don't. However, that's not foolproof. The only really foolproof way that I know of is to probe them, which is where you you know you stick something in the vent to make sure that, that it has a hemipenis, which male is what males have and females okay. do not. Now, another thing about and let me know if you want me to get into the differences between the uh, between the roundups. But one of the things I must stress about Pennsylvania, because people misunderstand that, Pennsylvania used to have a traditional roundup where they would kill the snakes, and they all they even had bounties. But they ended that in the 80s. 
and in now Pennsylvania, you're allowed you're allowed to keep or kill one male rattlesnake of that size. Like I said, you cannot take more than that, and you cannot bring them together in a roundup like that. The roundups in Pennsylvania, they're actually catch and release, believe it or not. So they actually take them from certain dens, and it used to be. Uh, until very, very recently, monitored by uh, several universities, and uh, it's still monitored by fishing boat. And what they'll do is they would pit tag the snakes and put them back in the den in the exact same location that they found them in several days later, which is about the window you really have for that. And they are actually not killing them at all and tracking uh, their movements. Yeah, well, again, that research has arguably ended, and it's sort of in a limbo state at this point. But they are not killing them in Pennsylvania, and that's one of those things. And then nor are they harvesting them unregulated in Pennsylvania. You know, harvest killing, you know what I mean. But it's, uh, it's, it's one of those things that's very different than, let's say, if you go to Georgia where Georgia had several roundups, at least two of which have reformed, and several of which have gone by the wayside, but it still has one roundup left where they still gather eastern diamondback rattlesnakes in the occasional timber and kill them. And what they do is they don't kill them on the, uh, the property of the roundup. They display them, but then they sell them to a leather dealer. Um, and there's actually specific dealers that have a monopoly on that sort of thing. Wow. And those people then, uh, they also sell them to... So this goes uh, into the, like, the fashion industry. Mm. Boot industry. It goes, all well, it goes, it go, it goes way, very far into that and also goes into... Uh, <laughs> it goes into uh, the black medicine market okay so like traditional chinese medicine and yes and um, there there there's even footage of uh and again i'll try and share as much of this as i can after the podcast and a lot of it is in rise against rattlesnake roundups they actually will take the organs and they will sell them to people and there's footage of people coming from other countries to buy rattlesnake organs now isn't uh, isn't that regulated by u.s fish and wildlife and or cites the convention on international trade no there's 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 no regulation on that so it's legal to do this on the international market legal market versus black market well whether or not it's legal i guess you could raise some questions but again like i said a lot of these roundups will break the law for example in Oklahoma, and again, this is yet another difference. In Oklahoma, you have something that is not really done in any other uh, roundup, at least not currently. There's some evidence that it happened in the past. But what they do in uh, Mangum, Apache, and it used to be Warica, but it doesn't seem to be done in work anymore, is what they do is they sew the mouth shut of the rattlesnake. They, and they do that by putting them in a freezer... Not cold enough to kill them, but cold enough to stun them and to make them placid. And they sew the mouth shut. Uh, Sometimes they'll remove the fangs as well, but usually they sew the mouth shut. And they then take this snake that has its mouth sewn shut, so we can't do anything about it. And they will take it to a photo booth area and they will get people to take their picture with it. And, yeah, ironically enough, they'll sometimes give out a certificate of bravery for doing that, for taking their picture with it. And, you know, people ask what happens with the snake, and the snake dies. I mean, there's no way it's going to come back from that. Uh, There's sometimes I've heard roundupers say, oh, we removed the stitches. But even if they do that, it's going to... The amount of shock the snake has gone into, it's like almost certainly going to die even if they did that. But yeah, they, there's no and any other species, we'd call that capture myopathy, that yeah. shock, and let alone the um, the sewing of the mouth shut. That's that's horrid. Yeah. It's very, very cruel. So um, you'd mentioned earlier, um, 
we've got a few minutes left in this section, the difference between northern, southern, and eastern, western roundups. A, I'm sure there's different kinds of snakes, but what yep. what is the main difference between these, you know, four directions? Well, the snakes are one issue, as you say. Um, in the north, they used to... They used to and still use timber rattlesnake roundups. The only one up north, the only ones up north that exist anymore, is in Pennsylvania. And again, like I said, they are catch and release. They don't, they don't actually kill the snake. Um, and I've actually been sort of trying to help work with reform on some of that further because uh, I'm trying to get it so they use more better quarantine methods. And so they use, you know, different housing methods for when they temporarily house them uh, just to prevent the spread of uh, things like snake fungal disease, which is an issue. Uh, And that's one major difference. That's Pennsylvania. Uh, The southeast has actually largely reformed. Uh, Florida used to have a roundup that ref- they actually used to have two roundups, but they both reformed one of which, uh, moved to a different state. I, I think it moved to Texas and it's a different roundup now, but it do- doesn't kill and neither does the other one. They don't kill. They just have like, you know, gopher tortoises on display occasionally and the occasional captive snake. So they um, don't kill intentionally, but... What is the unintentional consequence? Do many no. of them still die? No, those, well, that with Florida, they don't seem to use them anymore. Uh, in Fitzgerald, Georgia, they stopped using snakes as well. They just, it's become a chicken festival. Okay. Um, so, like, pencil- at this photo, so at this photograph, I'm looking at the one in Sweetwater, Texas. We're talking thousands of snakes. Yes. You know, that's, for that's celebration. Amazing. And there's other photographs of the snakes hung up with their, you know, their skins split and people, um, yeah. you know, flaying them, roasting them, people mm. taking photographs with them, people walking yeah. in, you know, showing bravery, walking through this den of snakes. So you'd said sometimes they remove the fangs or sew the mouth shut. Do they but- do anything with the venom? Oh, well, in, in Sweetwater, they don't do the mouth sewing. That's just in the Oklahoma roundups I mentioned. Okay. Um, and and that's another difference right there is that uh, they what they do with the venom is not entirely known. Uh, I've seen some evidence, and I've done some uh, bit of detective work. And I'll, again, I'll have to see if I can find it in some of my old notes, but it's... Uh, they seem to ship it to uh, foreign countries to use for uh, pharmaceuticals wow. uh, and for, in some cases, possibly pet vaccines, which aren't really proven to work. Again, this is in foreign countries. This is They don't keep it in the U.S. It is not used to make anti-venom. Uh, anti-venom comes from very specific uh, facilities, right. and none of them are associated with any roundups and I have investigated this thoroughly wow. uh, they don't they don't use it really for it's a waste anything that's done in the US it's um, a waste and I'm going to have to talk to some of my folks uh, undercover at US Fish and Wildlife um, one of my friends Ken McLeod he's a herpetologist and I'll bet he'd have a lot to say on this but you know what Bill we have to step away for a short break but folks we still have a lot to talk about so stick with us and we'll be right back become our friend on facebook post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline visit facebook.com forward slash voice america tune in to the patricia raskin show on VoiceAmerica.com every monday at 2 p.m eastern time and 11 a.m pacific time This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to the Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Wildlife. No wild, no life. Big. Scary. Beautiful. 
predators are in danger. Without them, our rivers dry up, our forests don't grow, our communities go hungry, our biodiversity crumbles. Wildlife drives our planet's ecosystems. The wild effect, it's in our hands. Ellie founded Wild Eyes Foundation because she loves Africa and to remind us that there are more harmonious and less destructive ways to live on our planet. She does this so we may be able to look inside ourselves and understand the deeper partnerships that connect us all and to take responsibility for our lives and our Earth. Africa is one of our last remaining wild places and the origins of humanity. It is irreplaceable. Africa is at a crossroads, on the brink of possibilities. We can choose to let its wildlife be lost forever, or we can help save it. In Africa, it is still possible to make a difference. Visit us at www.wildeyes.org to learn how you can make a difference. We only have one Earth. If we don't care, who will? W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Are you ready to buy or sell a business? Where do you begin? You want to make sure that both the buying and selling parties are mentally, physically, and financially ready to operate a small business, as well as have the expertise or management confidence in the type of business you're planning to buy. Listen to The Michael Saunders Show with Michael Saunders and Warren Whitus. We'll help you with questions about marketing, finance, hiring, and more. Listen Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on Voice America Variety. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. You're listening to Ellie Weiss and Our Wild World. We want to hear from you. Call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. If you'd rather send us an email, please send it to wildeyes at wildeyes.org. That's W-I-L-D-I-Z-E at W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Now, back to our wild world. And welcome back. You're listening to Our Wild World. I'm Ellie Weiss, and my guest is Bill Rulon Miller, giving us a whole lot of education about rattlesnakes and the practice of rounding them up for festivals, killing them. Um, and what we just began to touch on was, um, you know, selling them on the international market. It's not a regulated trade, but also collectors private collections uh and let's talk about some of that how people are collecting them for their own private collections and the misunderstandings that people have in general toward rattlesnakes yes well the private collection thing uh there are some that will take him from let's say uh texas or oklahoma and they will keep them uh, in the southeast. Uh, one of the main obstacles to reform, which I know we'll get into later, is that uh, you get the two that haven't reformed yet is uh, Op Alabama and uh, Wiggum, Georgia. And both of those, as I described, they do the same thing. And So would you say they, reform? They have not reformed and that they still kill them. They still they, possibly the, show, sew their mouths shut. And they, they, they don't... Yeah, Go they ahead. don't sew the mouth shut. They don't sew the mouth shut there. What they do is they gather as many eastern diamondbacks as they can. And these are eastern diamondback rattlesnakes, uh, not western like the ones used out west. And they take them and they display them and then they sell them off to leather dealers. But also to one guy in particular who, like I said, he's the main obstacle. His name is, uh, his name is uh, Ken Darnell. And Ken Darnell has been using this sort of as his uh, personal collection uh, agency. He's been collecting snakes this way, keeping them, and he sells them sometimes. He uh, may or may not be doing some kind of uh, projects with them, but we don't know because we 
you know, he doesn't like to talk to us. So is he operating uh, legally or illegally or somewhere in between? I'd say somewhere in between because he tried to expand into – he was one of the people that tried to expand into Arizona. And they tried to get a roundup and that got shut down. He was likely involved in New Mexico, which used to have a roundup, and that got shut down. That changed and got shut down and they – uh, now no longer allow roundups in New Mexico. Uh, well, it seems like a lot of states are much further ahead in shutting yeah. down these roundups than, let's say, coyote killing contests that are just now sort of making oh, headlines and are still ongoing as we speak. Oh, absolutely. Uh, it's actually amazing that the roundups are uh, getting changed and shut down. And they they were not, I'd say it's, sort of a toss-up between which one is better known because uh you get hunters a lot of hunters still like to do the coyote killing and they are resistant to that a lot of people i think don't know about the roundups and that in a way kind of helped to an extent yeah it also helped that when they were discovered when people did find out about roundups (coughs) they were appalled by them because of the mistreatment and also because you know they did not think that such a thing would be happening in mass with uh, one type of animal like that. I mean, now, again, it's become more apparent with certain things like uh, coyotes as well as some other animals that they sometimes uh, kill on that number, like, you know, with sometimes with a shark fishing contest, which right. they've often right. trying to reform. So this, but I think, this leads me to, uh, you know, a couple other things. Um, the media attention... That it gets or doesn't get. I mean, you can look up Rattlesnake Roundup, Google it, and you'll get pages of information and a whole lot of horrific images. And then as you talked about the reform of, you know, not killing them, uh, putting them back or releasing them, uh, the international market for uh, the skins and the meat and the venom, none of it is really um, regulated. And then there's the misunderstanding people have toward rattlesnakes as they find out about these roundups just because of the appalling nature. But let's just give a little minute or so to the true nature of a rattlesnake and its place in the ecosystem. Well, I'm going to tell you about rattlesnakes and uh, snakes in general. It's sort of a misconception. A lot of people think of them as mean uh, and likely to bite. They want nothing to do with humans. Uh, no snake really wants anything to do with humans. Snakes don't view us as prey. They view us as predators, certainly in the uh, U.S. especially. They, and rattlesnakes, they are relatively shy by nature. You actually have to usually be looking for them and going out of your way to find them. Now, that's not always the case. Sometimes... One will, especially in, let's say, the southwest and parts of the southeast, they'll sometimes turn up in people's uh, yards. Sometimes they'll turn up in people's uh, driveways. And, you know, some people will tell you, oh, I see them all the time. And that's because they live in the middle of, you know, what was their habitat for, you know, millions of years. Yeah, we tend to think of them as, you know, deserts, Arizona, uh, New Mexico, Colorado, high yeah. plains. And some, yeah, and sometimes you'll get them, you know, in cases like in Florida and uh, Georgia, people will get, and, you know, parts of Tennessee, people will get uh, plenty of them. There's parts in Pennsylvania where you, you can get plenty of them. But again, they're very, very, they're very, I'm not going to say docile because you can't, again, it can depend on the individual snake, but they're, 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 they really don't. Unless you disturb it, it basically wants to leave us alone. Yeah, and the thing is, is that what causes, I think, a lot of misunderstanding is, let's say, somebody sees a rattlesnake sunning on their porch, uh, they'll they'll see it. They're immediately terrified. Yeah, and they they think that it's there to get them or to take over or to get their pet, and really it's what it's doing is it's sunning on the porch because it's a reptile and it's trying to get, you know, sun. It doesn't think 
of it as somebody's property. It it's not it. stalking. It's just this thing. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And people, they'll misunderstand that, and then they'll go up to it. And rattlesnakes, they view us as predators, so they will rattle sometimes. Sometimes they won't. A lot of the time, in my experience with timber rattlesnakes, which is what I've experienced most, I have experience with some other species, but that's the one I experience, have most experience with, they will often slither away. They'll literally take one look at you and they will try and slither away. I can even uh, show you a video of that uh, on my phone of one doing just that that I saw on the road. And they... So how could how they could will rattle sometimes, and they will they if you keep getting at them, they'll sometimes strike. But usually, they will try not to do that. So, so. how can we educate our listeners today, um, all over the world? People all over the world listen, and we have snakes everywhere. Not necessarily <laughs> rattlesnakes, but venomous yep. and dangerous snakes. To respect them a bit more and get over that immediate <laughs> innate fear. That seems to be hardwired in our, no pun intended, reptilian brain that says, kill it, run. How can we help reform people's attitudes towards snakes? Well, usually what I try and do is I try and do a lot of public education on that. Uh, Aside from Rise Against Rattlesnake Roundups, uh, there are several other rattlesnake groups I belong to. There's also a group called Wild Snakes Education Discussion, which uh, is its goal is to demystify people about snakes. And you just have to understand, and I tell anyone this, they're just animals. They're, and they're, they're animals like any other animal. And in a lot of ways, they're, uh, they're, they're less, I'd say they're less threatening if you actually think about it, because think about it, there's this animal with no no limbs. It just you know it slithers along, and it is much smaller than a person. I mean, you know, a, a large man can easily weigh you know oh well over two hundred pounds, and or your average rattlesnake tops out around you know six or seven pounds every now and then you might get one that breaks you know the 10 pound mark so, but really so you, they're, they're they're smaller when you think about way they weigh less they can be long yes but they weigh less than you know most cats so and, a lot of this has to do with you know embedded culture yeah, the, the myths and culture that, of how frightening snakes are it goes way back that goes back to it's it is also very much a cultural outlook i mean you know people are taught uh in various religions that snakes are evil and that i think also comes from you know it comes from the fact that you know yes they in some cases they can be dangerous and before modern medicine if you got bit by a snake you very easily could die but the idea is that they the idea of them being malicious about it, that's misplaced. They don't want to bite you. They want to use their venom. The venomous ones want to use their venom on something else. They want to they use that to pr- acquire food. And right. snakes can't eat people. And uh, most well, bites some are of at- the large boa constrictors have been well, sensationalized, uh, but we're not, but, but a rattlesnake but, can't. But, yeah, barring, let's say, an anaconda or reticulated python, which even that is. Uh, even that is kind of iffy as to how much that happens. Right. Uh, they can't, they literally can't eat people. It's, it's and, the, it's the yeah. uh, abnormal versus the norm. Yeah. And they, 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 they can't eat people. And not only that, they can't catch people. And right. even uh, those larger snakes and even fast snakes, they can't catch people. You can. So that brings up a point, them. even if they bite somebody. Yeah. Um, they're not looking to catch it. They're bo- looking no. to defend themselves so that they can get away. Yes. And, you know, you get people, they'll get mock strikes. Uh, you know, they'll get pe- they'll get actual strikes. And, you know, sometimes what will happen is a snake will rear up and sort of do a little bluff. Not quite a charge, but it'll come sort of towards you to get you to back off. Right. And so it can escape and not all species do that but some do and people will then uh get this myth that 
snakes are chasing them. Also, snakes, what they do is, I've actually seen this first. <laughs> I've actually seen this firsthand with a, with uh, both racers and cottonmouths, uh, as well as lizards. Is that what what they'll do is when they flee, they'll actually flee towards uh, the threat sometimes because it actually takes more effort to, for them to turn around and flee. So what'll happen is they'll actually flee, not directly towards but in the direction of the threat and if there's let's say cover nearby they'll flee towards that well forward that, motion think, that, that yeah. makes sense because they're already in a forward motion so exactly. kinetically it's easier to go that direction and get past the threat than run away from it exactly and unfortunately that gives that's another thing that you know gives birth to these chasing myths okay. the idea is that, uh, that these snakes are chasing them and snakes don't chase you. They, so again, a roundupper can use yeah. that behavior to their benefit and let it run toward them and buy them and, what, catch them by the tail or use the snake catching poles? Yeah, they'll do that. And uh, so, and that goes into the whole, like, reform is for information. Uh, there used to be a lot of misinformation. There still is in a lot of ways. A lot of misinformation at roundups. Uh, but some of them are beginning to actually stop that and beginning to actually attempt to educate. And that go, those are the ones that are trying to uh, reform. I'm sorry, that's good. I saw that's the four-minute wrap. <laughs> so what is reform? What, how, what, what does reform look like? And how do our listeners participate in that, um, of these I roundups? Would, I would say if they want if people who want to reform, I'd say advocate uh you know you could write let's say if you live in texas or oklahoma write to people say you know the local game commission but also even just to the roundups themselves saying look we don't want this to happen like this we want reform and also to support um not necessarily monetarily you don't have to but you know you could but you also you know support uh, morally, roundups that have reformed. Pennsylvania has reformed all of their roundups by law because the timber rattlesnake was almost wiped out in Pennsylvania. Um, so is it listed as endangered? No, it's no longer listed as endangered, okay. but it was endangered when I, throughout uh, when I was growing up and throughout the 80s after a certain point. So this uh, is rattlesnake. also... Huh? Sorry, I'm sorry. So this is also where the media could come yeah. in. Yes, absolutely. You know, folks and, uh, that are aware of it, uh, you're learning about it today, um, get educated. Look on Facebook, Google it, and see what's going on. And that in this day and age, we should not be doing this for fun and giggles, prize money, and festival and celebration. It's an outmoded thing to do with a natural resource that protects and functions in the ecosystem yeah exactly and at the very least there should be some official regulation pennsylvania is a good example of that yes they still do what they do and uh they still need to uh they still need to improve but they no longer kill them uh certain southeastern roundups they no longer kill them uh at all claxton reformed completely and now doesn't use wild-caught snakes so much as rescued snakes and uh you, it doesn't kill them it uh it displays them and celebrates them and that would be better uh to do that rather than to you know take wild snakes and kill them so uh, this would be an opportunity for our listeners in any country that has venomous snakes or people immediately think the snake is a threat but here in the u.s to write your state wildlife department and request reform if it's yeah. still going on in your state now you know about it and request reform absolutely that, that is perfect message well bill you know unfortunately we're out of time today and <laughs> I, I i mean we could go on and on about this i learned a tremendous amount because I wasn't really aware of it until I stumbled upon your page on Facebook, Rattlesnake Roundups, mm -hmm. and um, started looking into it. 
to have this discussion. So, folks, we've learned a lot today. Let's not immediately fear our snakes. They have a role to play. And as we just learned with Bill, um, we have to stop some of this behavior that is going on that has no benefit whatsoever other than just to satisfy some bizarre human idea of fun. So, Bill, we're out of time. I want to thank you so much. Thank you for having me. You bet. And I look forward to keeping up on your page. And when we post this episode, I'll tag you. And it'd be great if you continued the conversation and shared information, um, you know, under the post and get it out there. Because the more we learn, the better we'll be able to deal with and enjoy and protect our wild world. Thank you again for joining us this week. Be sure to tune in next Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time for another edition of Our Wild World with your host, Ellie Weiss, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Think about living with wildlife during the coming week and what you can do right now. 